Hello, everyone, and welcome to American Pale Males, your nerdy beer tasting podcast. As always, I am the lethargic Jeremy, and with me is the morose... That's Michael. Maybe morose isn't the right word, but I was trying to think of something that would kind of go along with it, because nothing really rhymes with Michael. <laughs> morose Michael? Mor- I mean, morose Michael kind of fits. Yeah. With the, uh, what's the word? What's the word I'm looking for? Uh, alliteration. Yeah. Anyways, <laughs> we are off and running. We are off to the tracks, Michael. Hit me with the beer brag, sir. Save this segment. Yeah. Oh, boy. Yes. So I did a little investigation this weekend. Oh, okay. I, okay. <laughs> there was a uh, event at a grocery store where it was like, lots of samples. Come, mm-hmm. try all the samples. Those are fun. Yeah. It was mostly ice cream, which was great. But one of the sample booths was a beer sampler guy and upon his shirt he had the goose island logo oh boy oh this is a perfect opportunity to Mm -hmm. try goose ipa and 312 oh boy both of which i haven't had in a long time and you know going back to that book we know the formulation Uh probably has dramatically changed since Uh i had it last absolutely so, you know, granted, I had little tiny medicine cups of these, but... Um, and a strict bias. <laughs> right. So the IPA almost read like a session IPA. Mm-hmm. It's funny, you know, that 312 is a wheat or urban wheat ale, I think they call it. Yeah, that um, sounds right. That had the same color as the IPA. Interesting. And, you know, the IPAs we're used to drinking, especially on the show... Usually have a coppery brown color, really rich malt looking type thing. Or this, an impenetrable yellow. Right. Yeah. Super hazy. This was just as maybe if you had a scientific measurement device shade darker than that yellow, yellow wheat ale. Uh-huh. And so, and you know, that t- translated to the taste obviously, and it was really easy to drink pretty much no malt there. And the hops weren't very assertive, but because there was not much to counter them in the malt department, it, they were clearly there. So I would be almost curious to try it against like a craft session just mm-hmm. to see how similar it is to that. But it certainly is a far cry from the complex, full-bodied IPAs that we have on this show. And 312, I, I guess it tasted like it used to. I can't really remember. It, it was pretty insipid. It was, you know, it was fine. Mm-hmm. Um, certainly there's more true weedy, weedy beers out there. This was just kind of like a breezy palate cleanser type mm-hmm. beer. But yeah, that IPA was interesting. Kind of one note as well. One note hop. Not necessarily saying that's bad. It was just such a stark contrast to the IPAs that we have on the show. Some of which are very accessible. Uh-huh. So that's my little recon for the weekend. And for the record, the book that Michael is talking about, in case you do not remember, is Barrel-Aged Stout and Selling Out, Goose Island, Anheuser-Busch, and How Craft Beer Became Big Business by Josh Noel. Yes. And it's fantastic. Yeah. If you have any interest in the beer biz or just beer in general, craft beer history. Or if you just want to hate Goose Island. Like <laughs> yeah, a, right. That, like a lot. <laughs> helps with that, too. Or, you know, maybe more uh, AB and Bev than Goose Island. Well, true. Well, kind of one of the same yeah, now. But. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, speaking of which, Michael, you had brought up the other day that uh, this past weekend was the Pitchfork Music Festival. Oh, yeah, yeah. And <laughs> that uh, very tweet that I sent to you was tweeted out by the aforementioned Josh Noel. Oh, I should really follow So, him. yes. And 
in comparison how very similar stories of yeah landmark independence turning towards uh yeah the the dark side i guess i don't know i guess it all depends on your perspective but i have uh i have found this thread that michael was speaking of Mm. small thread once the joining of two independent entities goose island and pitchfork the annual pitchfork fest which is this weekend in chicago is now in reality the joining of the companies that bought them anheuser and condé nast whether your feelings about that fact are good bad or indifferent it's worth acknowledging in part because those parent companies don't particularly want you thinking about how those things have changed bingo Pitchfork, for those who don't know, I suspect everyone does, but just in case, it's kind of like the hipster music online zine of note. It was, you know, pretty instrumental in bringing about, you know, the mid to late aughts indie rock scenes like The Strokes, uh, Modest Mouse, things like that are probably the most well-known. It still goes on today, um, but it's owned by Condé Nast. And they've, they've done a music festival in Chicago every year, which it's a big business in Chicago. There's a lot of them. And a lot of these things have uh, the so-called radius clause, where if you play one, you can't play another Ooh. one within X amount of days on either side of the festival or within X miles for X amount of days of the festival. And that's just so that you don't like book a show at uh, Milwaukee or something that's like 45 minutes up the road. And siphon the... And, uh, yeah, because it, it would just sort of dilutes whatever cash like you can get the take for cheaper and you don't have to uh, deal with 80 some odd thousand people in a, in a crowd. <laughs> right. But they're owned by Condé Nast and Goose Island is the, uh, the beer sponsor and has right. been for quite some time. So it's two bastions of independent, air quotes, independent thought and air quotes in this century's media <laughs> yeah. media consumption landscape owned by Condé Nast and Budweiser. Right. I told Michael Riot Fest and All Rise Brewing or GTFO or something <laughs> yeah. along those lines. Yeah. Oh, oh, no, this is going to make me sad. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no. Anyway. <sighs> Quick, get out. Give me your beer brag. Think of something fun. Uh, uh, my beer brag is not so much a... Well, I guess it's beer brag because I don't remember if you and I had the Reunion IPA? Just their... Hmm. Just that straight-up IPA, that's the name of the beer. I don't think that was on our flight because we were kind of doing more... We were doing the weird stuff, if memory yeah. serves. Yeah. Um, I had a, an empty evening wherein I watched a weird French movie and <laughs> I went to a Reunion and I got a growler of the Reunion IPA. Surprisingly affordable, I might add. 12 bucks for a growler, Phil. Oh yeah, that's like four pints. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I don't think it was a happy hour or anything like that, but it's uh, it's a solid, you know, something around 7%-ish IPA. It's dank, it's a little fruity. It's just, you know, that right down the middle of the road, we're just an IPA IPA that doesn't have any adjectives slapped in front of it to take up market share, I guess, mm-hmm. which may come into play later. Okay. But it's it's, it's extremely good, and I would... uh. I would recommend you all try that, especially if we end up going there in a couple weeks. Yeah, that could come into play. Indeed. Now, Jeremy, are you ready to move on to what I think is the final stop on our Iowa road trip series? Is it? I don't think we have any more Iowa beers after this. And I think this was kind of the uh, zenith. uh, Oh, yeah. We both had this one. Well, I guess, hang on. First, let me take you to a few stops. Uh Uh-huh. In Des Moines, Iowa, where we are staying again for a second week, 
Uh, so many things to say here that I have some more places that we can stop Well, at. are we staying there, Michael? Well, that's a good point. It's kind of like we're coming back home. but That's that's fair. Okay, I'll... Uh... It's a collaboration beer. Yeah. It is a collaboration beer. <laughs> um, Jeremy, last week I took you to some sites where lots of things were really big. Plantor, the garden trowel, uh, <laughs> the big hands. I liked the name of that, by the way, quite a bit. <laughs> um, this one is a, a mini Statue of Liberty going the opposite direction. In 1950, <laughs> the Boy Scouts erected around 200 mint statues mint oh mint colored maybe the color, the color mint like the uh the statue itself yes around the country this is one of the survivors and oh, what happened to the others i assume that they all just got rid of them because they're stupid <laughs> a recent cleaning bleached this green patina to nearly white oh boy i think i've seen one of these in duluth and dubuque so they're out there there has to be a website that's like track down the mini Statues of Liberty. I imagine it's probably going to be on like GeoCities or something like that. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, oh, there's also a Liberty Bell, which I think <laughs> uh, the mini Liberty Bells were given to the U.S. by France at the Bicentennial. Mm -hmm. But that's not on this page, so we're leaving. We're going to the next site. All right. Uh, I don't know, Jeremy, have you... You've trundled around Des Moines. Have you ever been to Landmark Bridge? A 400-foot pedestrian bridge over the Des Moines River with two platforms that converge on a glass platform. Yes, I have been on this. It, I, I'm, no, not a fan. I, I, I'm not a big fan of the glass bottom things. <laughs> so you don't like, yeah, so this has a glass bottom that I guess you can see? It's, it's on the sides. Oh, okay. Why is it unsettling? I, I'm just, I'm not, it, it, it's, it's in the middle of it anyways. It's been a while since I've been to this place. Mm. Um, the bridge itself is cool and I don't have any issues with going over like bridges or water or anything right. like that. Um, there's a particularly rickety bridge that we used to take into Omaha across the Missouri River. I believe it's called the Mormon Bridge or the Mormon Trek Bridge or something like mm -hmm. that. It's this big, it looks like a rusting green like monolith from another era because it is. Whoa, yeah, I'm looking at it. Yeah, that's pretty old school. <laughs> my, my, my father is not a fan. I'm not exactly sure why he doesn't like bridges, but he's not a fan, and I think it has something to do with that particular bridge. Uh -huh. But it's just the glass bottoms. Like I, I feel like I must have been put on some sort of glass bottom thing when I was younger, and I just don't remember it. But like whenever I uh, I see the videos of like those... Uh, which is it? The Willis, the Hancock Tower that has some of that in Chicago? Oh, uh, Willis Tower has that Willis where you Tower. actually part of the floor is glass that steps out over the edge so you can look straight down. absolutely it just no nope like that cracked recently yeah too. it did i saw that video and it was that was that was not cool <laughs> it's just like it's not like a nausea I'm, i i lock up it's yeah. just like a weird flutter that goes from like my quadriceps up into my stomach oh yeah 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 it's probably just an involuntary tensing that's happening but it, it's a it's very weird because it only happens between my knees and my ribs, and I don't like it. <laughs> um, it's a uh, of all the things to make a structurally sound structure out of. Like glass has to be at the bottom of the list too. So like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, even if it's tempered, it's it's glass. It's still glass. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> One crazed madman with a pistol and a <laughs> unless it's like. Jackhammer Lu or... Lucite or something like that. <laughs> right. Might be a little uh, interesting. 
Jeremy, taking a quick detour into Urbandale, Iowa, which is a suburb of Des Moines. It's a suburb, yes. Yeah. I believe it's on the western side, but don't quote me on that. Yes, northwestern, I believe. This is the sword and the stone. Jesus Christ. (laughs) Uh, Can a worthy (laughs) king or queen be found in a housing subdivision outside Des Moines, Iowa? Thus far, apparently no. Uh Uh-huh. So, yeah, this is just a sword and a stone. Um, Sitting on the corner of two residential streets, partially hidden under an evergreen tree. Do we think that this is on private property? You know, that's that was kind of my question. It's not very clear here. Yeah, it must. It could be on a. It might be on like a sidewalk or something. Like a public right of way or yeah. something. Yeah, yeah. How much time do you spend on this website, Michael? <laughs> Roadside America for the road trip series. A lot more than I have before. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, and now the final stop. Oh, I think no. this is worthy. Uh oh. Of uh. Am I seeing a link to it at the bottom of this one, Michael? <laughs> Probably. It's the Tom Jones yep. tribute toilet. <laughs> a small barbershop bathroom pays tribute to Tom, what's new pussycat, Jones, with red walls, many framed photos, and a mere disco ball. So yeah, then there's a toilet. Walls are velvet red. They look like they're crushed velvet, yeah. Yeah. Or what did it say? You could, uh... A delightful 5 by 7 lavatory devoted to the likenesses and embellishments of the one and only Tom Jones, with several glossy 8 by 10s and other larger photos of Tom in action and in intimate situations, you are surrounded by his manly prowess while conducting your business. That's there is also a little comfort added by the combination of Chinese red walls and a few cherubs lit by a 14-inch disco ball. Truly a magnificent way to pay respect to the legend. So, Michael, you've been to Las Vegas, right? And if memory serves you, I kind of hated it. Yeah, I mean, it's not for you. Miss kind of deal. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, pretty much not for me. So you were likely mostly just on the strip the entire time. If yes. I had to guess. Okay. Yeah. So I feel your pain on the uh, the strip is just like it can be fun if you know what you're getting into, but the clubbing, the uh, yeah that that yes. that sort of vibe is not for you. Sure. Now, if <laughs> if one goes slightly off strip. Like, say, a block in either direction from the strip. Gets real weird real quick. <laughs> because all that land is not worth... It's it's worth something, so it's not like it's Bill's Crematorium or anything like that. Right. <laughs> but it... You kill him, we grow him sort of thing. <laughs> but uh, it does, in fact, get real weird. And we went to a, a steakhouse. It's called Ellis Island. Yep, it's still there. Okay. Okay. Oh, no. Um, it's a hotel, casino, and brewery, allegedly, okay. which is probably okay. why I wanted to get there, and it was also close to the hotel. Ah, uh, yes, the famous steak special for just seven ninety nine. Mm. And for the record, I thought it was a solid. Oh. I thought it was a solid uh, steak. It's not okay. great, but you know, it's it's fine. This bathroom looks like that place. <laughs> <laughs> like the overall place. Uh huh. It's it's that kind of like I don't even know how to describe it. Like almost it's it's uh, it's, it's old Vegas from oh, yeah. like the late eighties and they haven't updated it ever since. I, I feel like there was a lot of places that wanted to try and keep that we may or may not be mobbed up feel. Loungy yeah. wink. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, yes. that feel. And I don't think that they've kept up with the times. Yeah, so if you want a taste of that, check out this bathroom. 
Yeah. <laughs> I guess you have to get your hair cut. Um, oh, yeah. Oh, it's right. It's a barbershop. barbershop. Wow. Way off the map there. So, yeah. So, I guess that brings us to the brewery and the FDR, our breweries. Mm-hmm. Today, we are having, in a collaboration between Confluence Brewing in Des Moines and Lionbridge Brewing in Cedar Rapids, both which we have had on the road trip before. Mm-hmm. We are having Brute's Best Brute IPA collaboration. As I said, Jeremy and I have both had this before. I think we are both fans. We haven't had it in a while. If you may remember, Michael, this was the one that I deemed... Yes. ...that uh, when I was chasing the dragon for the... Uh, the uh, Rainbow Rain. The Rainbow Rain. Thank you. Oh, man, yes. I just <laughs> blacked out hard there for a second. Yeah, it's, it's... I hope that I haven't built it up too much in my head. Yes. And by coincidence, Steve brought this to me, and uh, I was real excited to try it. And I thought, well, I have a couple extra here I'm going to share with Jeremy so we can Sweet. close the loop on this Brute IPA, have one mm-hmm. on the show finally. and uh, Oh, yeah, we haven't had one, have we? Yeah, and uh, see if it still lives up to that title you gave it earlier. Um, here's a little flavor text for you. I am not finding this flavor text anywhere, so good on you, Michael. It's on the can. Oh, Damn it. <laughs> and it was on the website, too. Bacuzzi on this thing, right? Oh, okay, okay. And it's a full-length one. <laughs> okay. For a tall boy. Wow, that's a nice koozie. Uh, that's right. At Confluence and Lionbridge, we're no stranger to the heavy-handed nature of IPAs these days. Evolving tastes encourage us to tap into our wanton ways, and we smash pounds upon pounds of hops into hazy brews to great effect. Of course, inside every brew lurks a more refined sensibility, to which the alluring call of the Brute-style IPA was too much to resist. Naturally, we decided to explore this new world of IPAs with our friends. Who better to help restrain our savage tendencies? <laughs> um, okay. Um, together, <laughs> we've crafted a more civilized <laughs> beverage for the genteel spirit in all of us. Bone-dry, effervescence, and ripe with notes of strawberries. I have to look for those. Backed mm-hmm. by tropical and stone fruits, it's a creation that will make even the most brutish say their cheers with pinkies out. Uh, ABV of 5.4, IBU of 0. Mm-hmm. Really interesting. So it must all be um, dry hopping. I guess so. Because uh, I don't know how else you get an IBU of 0. But anyway. Good point. Yeah, the uh, can is two pugilists clinking champagne glasses and instead of heads they have the logo of confluence and lion bridge i like the confluence one a little bit better because the lion bridge one the head is too far up yeah, it is because yeah. of the sign of the logo yeah yeah this he needs to have a lion head mm-hmm. i guess we'll crack it open here i already have michael as have i want to gone smell. in i have not okay you're going in for the smell oh wow that's a that's a very pungent it kind of smells like a dry wine yeah, and I mean, it looks like a white wine, too. A little bit, like a yellower white wine, Yeah, a little, I guess a little more say. depth there, but... Now, have you had a Brute besides this one? Yeah, like, I had I one. I can never remember if you can or not. Yes. Well, actually, I had two. I had one from Working Draft, uh-huh. which is a brewery in Madison, the east side, and one from Surly, I believe. Oh, yeah. I think I tried that one when I was up at the tap room as well. Um, thick head on mine. I don't know how yours poured, but... Uh, I poured it all genteel-like. <laughs> yes. I'm using a Pipeworks Nonic glass, courtesy of the very good spud. Mm-hmm. The head is kind of dissipating, but it is constantly replenishing, like the bubbles are still going. Yeah. There's a slight particulate in there. I wouldn't call it a haze. It's very fine. Yeah. 
Um, Particulate's a good word to put. Yeah. Oh, Jeremy. That's good. <laughs> okay, you went in. I was just going to say that. I did. It's... So I, I've been... I've tried <sighs> a several of these brewed IPAs. Mm-hmm. I think what this one gets right that the other ones don't is that it's not just a fizzy IPA. Because mm-hmm. I, I kind of feel like that's what the uh, what they sort of go for. I agree. This is most definitely different than... Because this... Yeah, it actually oh kind of feels God. like a, a brute champagne. This is very, very effervescent. Mm-hmm. It's dry as bone, and it tastes fruity, whereas like some of the other brute IPAs I've had, I think the most notable offender is the... Uh, New Belgium one just mm. tasted like a, a super fizzy IPA. Right. Like the the hops are, like, I think some bitterness is fine, and I think mm-hmm. there's some bitterness here too, although that may be more of the dryness than the bitterness. But like you said, yeah, if if, if you just get this fizzy IPA thing, mm-hmm. I guess maybe it's telling that this has zero IBU, and I think that does it a great service because you really get a broad spectrum of the hot flavors mm-hmm. strictly the flavors not the bitterness or anything like that you get a variety of taste in there you know i had like a, a, a tropical skittles taste in my mouth just mm-hmm. in the aftertaste for a little bit there you know they say stone fruits too that's in there a little at the beginning um strawberry specifically maybe is in there but a little I think, it's kind of a bevy of all these things. And kind of a, have, a melange. Yeah. And to have that come forth from strictly hops, to me, is awesome. So while I do not have the recipe for this one, I do have one from whitelabs.com. White Labs being a uh, yeast supplier for homebrewing. Mm. Here's uh, about this recipe. We served this beer at Homebrew Con, which sounds like fun, and it was a hit. The use of ultra-firm, a glucoamylase enzyme, is one of the defining attributes of the brute. Using ultra-firm in the mash will help with breaking down maltose and maltotriose to glucose, allowing the yeast to completely ferment the beer out to 100% attenuation. There you go. Yeah, so in layman's terms, every single starch in this gets chomped up by the yeast. It turns a starch it can't eat into a starch it can eat. Yes. It being the yeast. Yeah, and so it's important to underscore, like, we're talking about all these fruit flavors, but uh, it's not sweet in no. any regard. But it's also not bitter, really. Um, yeah. So it hits a really interesting sweet spot. Yeah, the the hops that are in this recipe is an ounce of Galaxy, half ounce of Mosaic, half ounce of Amarillo. And the Galaxy okay. is done in a 15-minute whirlpool. Now, Michael, are you familiar with the whirlpool idea? Mm, is that, like, post-boil? You dump some in and spin it around? I can't remember exactly. That, that is correct, yes. Okay. I don't remember what that does, like, specifically, mm-hmm. but it does, uh, I do remember trying to figure out how to do this with Steve's drill, but it didn't quite work out. <laughs> but it, it is basically just kind of like whirlpooling it. I think it does it so that, uh, because if, if I remember right, you, you don't just, like, dump a pile of hops in there and let it soak. Sit. Yeah. Maybe but, keeping it off the hot stuff at the bottom. Yeah. Whereas you just, like, spin it through there. And, yeah, just go from there. Um, I think some of the bigger places will uh, use a lot of uh, recirculation. So, mm-hmm. like, pump it out from the bottom, oh, up back okay. into the top, and then it just kind of spits it out in the middle of the... Uh, Creating the giant toilet. Yes. And as we've learned from the Coriolis effect... <laughs> <laughs> It Spins always goes the same direction. Clockwise, yes. 
It goes counterclockwise. <laughs> what do you think about the spear, Michael? You know, I was expecting to come back to this with a, uh, you know, tasting it now more with a critical tongue. You know, last time I had it, I was just chatting with Steve, pretty casual. We did mm-hmm. talk about the beer a little bit, but now really kind of focusing in on it. I was expecting to like it less because I thought, well, you know. Me too. I was maybe looking through rose-tinted glasses then, but I think I actually like it more than I did then. Yeah, it just hits that a real sweet spot, a really unique spot, kind of like, you know, you have this spectrum of maltiness and hoppiness, a linear spectrum, and this kind of like creates a point outside of that line that is completely off the scale. Mm-hmm. And it involves a lot of uh, biochemistry. I mean, all brewing does, but this is an extra little bit this is, of biochemistry. This is weird biochemistry. Yeah, I like the thought of adding raw enzymes in there just to <laughs> chomp it. Just dump enzyme in there. Jeremy, yeah, you said you liked it more too. Any I, specific I, I reason? Do. Or... Um, it's one of these things where I feel like it's the, you, you remember like the various qualities of it. And after time, it's able to just kind of like break it down to its distinct parts. Like, oh, it was dry. Oh, it was fizzy. <laughs> and then, you know, nothing else. But I think that what makes this work is the way it all plays together. Yeah. Interestingly enough, I just tried a little bit of the foam. Mm-hmm. I was lingering on the top of the glass, mm-hmm. and it was kind of—it was a little bitter. I'm—I'm I'm wondering if that's uh, just kind of well. Some, now uh, you piqued my interest. I can't get my tongue on that far. <laughs> some purified proteins in, up in that uh, foam in there. Yeah, probably. That sounds gross, but old um, purified proteins, Michael over here. <laughs> Yeah. PPM. Mm-hmm. Wow. <laughs> uh, I'm trying to think what else there is to say about it. I think we've hit all the points. It, the finish, I guess, talking about that a little more, it's it's weird because it's, it's not a bitter finish, but it's not a... I guess the dry finish, the dryness supplements or replaces what normally would be bitter in a mm-hmm. IPA. It's hard to describe, kind of. The taste of dryness is hard to describe, besides just saying dry. Well, so the normal aftertaste one would get is either bitterness, sweetness, or yeastiness, correct? Yeah, I think that's a... If you're going in broad strokes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. This one is none of those. But I feel like when you can kind of break those aftertastes down into component parts, like mm-hmm. af- aftertaste on a Hefeweizen is like cloves, banana, bubblegum, all that stereotypical crap that we always mm-hmm. say when we're talking about hefes because we do not have the uh, vocabulary to think yeah, of anything right. else. Uh-huh. Um, this does have a fruity aftertaste, but it, it is not fruity in a sweet sense. It is fruity in mm-hmm. a, like, a, I have the pith on my tongue. Yes. Or this, or a skin or something. I wonder if it's almost like apples have malic acid, right? Yes. I, it's almost kind of like a an apple dryness like a cider dryness oh there you go yeah yes yeah that's a good comparison yeah it's like you're getting the finish is hoppy mm-hmm. but it's not bitter it's like taking a, a a slice of what you would get with a typical IPA and um just delivering that part not the whole mm-hmm. so uh. I don't know I think it, Essentially, we're repeating ourselves in different ways here, but... We are, so we'll, we'll shut up and get to the rating here. Right. I'm going to go in for a step of judgment, and if you want to rate it by the time I finish, go for it. But if you want to ponder more, 
You can also do that. I'm gonna ponder more. Okay. Hmm. So yeah, having this, uh, let me add on one more tribute to it. Almost crushable. Very quaffable. Oh, absolutely. The only thing that would uh, hold me back from that is A, they sell this in four packs, and B, mm -hmm. tall boys. C, yeah. it's the dryness. I feel like the dryness would just like decimate your mouth if you really tried to crush this thing. Right. But as far as like a taste, there, you do kind of want to linger on that dryness a little bit. You don't want to just slam it down, but it's... And, and coming to the end of this, or the last quarter of this Tallboy, it's still maintaining its overall taste profile. The dryness is kind of grating a little bit. My tongue is a little um, sandpapery. Really? And um, Sandpaper is maybe an overstatement, but it's a little... The texture has changed. I also am probably dehydrated today, too. But I'm not. <laughs> um, I'm drinking a lot of water Jeremy today. with his camel back on. Uh, I hammer water at work. It's very dry in the building. I didn't have time to do that today, and by the end of the day, it showed. Okay, SOJ number two real quick here. And it's almost hard to rate, because it's so different. It's hard to compare it to stuff. Aside the Brute IPAs I've had, which this is the best one. Mm -hmm. It is Brute's best. I think I'm going to go... Why not? I'm going to go 4.5. There's really not a lot to hate here. There's a lot to love. It might not be a beer for every situation. No. But it's... It's great to share and talk about because it's just something different. Mm -hmm. uh, good one to sip on. Um, good one to uh, shotgun, is Michael's proving. <laughs> what his crushable thoughts? Um, maybe crushable isn't the right word, but it's <laughs> it's easy to drink. Um, it's I think that's better with that bitterness not being there. Um, yeah, four point five. I'll leave. I'll leave it to you, Jeremy. Uh, you actually stole my thunder, Michael. I was going to say the exact same thing. This is a 4.5 beer. Um, just taken on its own merits, it's very, very tasty. Mm -hmm. Like, it's got... I feel like it has a little bit of things for anyone because as we've established time and time again, you hate IPAs. You're right. And this is technically, I guess, an IPA, although the, the lines get so blurred anymore as right. far as style goes. Yeah. And, like, not only that, it's... It's legitimately different. Mm -hmm. It's nothing that I've had before except for the one that I had that I was trying to find a, an equal right. to. And I think that's a lot. And like the fact that this was able to live up to my both expectations and my memories because memory is a fickle mistress, Michael. Oh, yeah. Fluid. You saw Memento. You can't trust memories. <laughs> right, yeah. You can trust photos. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently. Polaroids. Yeah, exactly. Don't trust his lies. But uh, but yeah, this is this is fantastic. I I want more. I may have to go get more of this now. Thanks yeah. a lot, Michael. <laughs> Thanks, Steve. Maybe the only thing holding it back is almost too unique. It's too good. <laughs> it's yeah. It's like on the class of its own. It's hard to bring it down. It and it is very dry too. So it's some. It's not refreshing in a uh -huh. way. If I had to say one criticism about it, but the uniqueness and flavors that it has blows that out of the water so it's fine in any case it's another one down the gullet it is how about you yeah. hit me with those uh those social media plugs here yeah uh you can get in touch in a variety of ways facebook.com slash apm pod on twitter at apm pod email us directly apm pod at gmail.com you can also find us on untapped where host emeritus mike keeps up with all of our ratings there Thank you, Mike. Thanks, Mike.
subscribe, rate, review uh, on your favorite podcasting device, app, whatever you do. It's an app. And <laughs> yeah, it is an app. Let's admit it. Uh, but we'll leave it at that. So for Jeremy, I've been Michael. For Michael, I've been Jeremy. And this has been American Pale Males. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers.